Thanks for tuning in to Art to Heart, where we delve into the creative minds of the artists in the Fort Wayne area. Each episode sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans who bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Tune in for tips on tapping into your creative soul and for more information about upcoming events in the arts community. I am here with pianist and vocal artist Alicia Pyle. Alicia performs as a solo artist, in a duet, in a quartet, and in a harmonic group in venues and events across Northeast Indiana. I recently had the pleasure of working with the Alicia Pyle Harmonic for Swing, String, and Sing at the Fillmore on Broadway. The level of talent in the APQ Harmonic was unbelievable, and I'm anxious to ask Alicia more about her performing groups and have her share her story with you guys. Thanks for talking with us today, Alicia. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to learn a little bit more about you and introduce you to our listeners. You started your musical endeavors at a young age. Which came first, playing the piano or singing? Um, I think it's pretty natural for everybody to sing. I think most humans sing, but most of us don't don't do anything with our singing. So I, I took piano lessons my entire life. I sang since I was a child, but I really didn't do a lot with singing until just recently. So pretty much piano was in the forefront for me. But everyone sings. This is true, yeah. I mean, little three-year-olds mm-hmm. bopping down the street, singing whatever comes to their mind. Yeah. Some people just sing to themselves in the car. True. <laughs> what was it that started your love for music at a young age? Was there anything in particular? I was just a really quirky and creative kid. I liked creating, period. So I, I, I made plays in my basement. I loved business Aww. from a young age, too. So I played business in my basement. I loved playing the piano. I was a strange kid. I did all kinds <laughs> of creating artistic things and craft projects. I was always doing something. I never sat down. And I did not play with dolls. <laughs> Noted. No house and no dolls. It was always creating something, pretty much. Yeah. And that's kind of shaped you into who you are today. What gave you the idea to start the Alicia Pyle Quartet? I transitioned over into jazz studies in my early, early 20s. So I was in the middle of my education, and my degree was in classical piano performance that I worked on on and off for the last several years before I finished. And Eric Clancy was a teacher of mine for just an an adjunct class I took Mm -hmm. in jazz improvisation with a little ensemble. And I just loved jazz because of the creative aspects of it, of being able to improvise and kind of compose and arrange. So we started messing around with, I started taking private lessons with Eric, and then he started booking me on his gigs that he didn't want to play. (laughs) And then, I don't know, somehow Derek, Brad, and Jose and I found each other. We're just playing gigs, and then we decided we were a band. How long have you guys been playing together as the quartet? It's been six years. Oh, wow. We celebrate our sixth birthday this spring. Oh, how fun. Mm -hmm. What is the dynamic of the group? Do you create songs together, or do you delegate that to one person only? How does that work for you guys? Uh, Songs come about pretty organically, so we play together a lot, and we're like family at this point, Uh and so somebody will start riffing on something, and somebody else adds something else, and you know, it usually doesn't happen in rehearsal. A lot of times a song will happen on a gig, or one of us will have an idea that we'll start messing around with in rehearsal, and things will start coming together. I mean, if it's a melodic lines, there's usually chord changes for it, but we'll mess around with different grooves or add sections. Our pieces evolve. So, yeah. you know, for example, the album we just released a year ago, Ground Level, our first album, after being together for five years, was things pieces that we had worked on and composed and that had evolved over time. We finally felt they were done evolving, oh, yeah. and then so we decided to go into the studio and record. But it's a, always a growing process. Right. Not planned. 
not planned. <laughs> and then on gigs, I bet people request songs, and sure. you're like, okay, how do we make this happen? Is that a lot of weird goes? stuff happens on gigs? So oh yeah. It's, I mean, the guys in this group are extremely creative. Two of them play in the symphony. Most mm-hmm. of us are educators. Uh, I think all of us compose. I mean, so when you bring those kinds of people together, really fun things happen just organically. You don't have to force it. Yeah. What is your personal creative process like to create new material? Do you start with a melody first or maybe you start with a concept or maybe not lyrics because it sounds like for you music comes first and then singing? I, You know, I'm, I'm not a huge lyricist. I've messed around with lyrics here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually delegate that out <laughs> or pull in talented friends or collaborate for that. But as far as the composition process, usually it comes from a groove, to be honest, or like a bass line. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't mean like a rock bass line, a three-note bass line. I mean, we hear something intricate. I hear something intricate because I think I was supposed to be a bass player. I don't know. <laughs> In another Oops. life. But I'll hear a real intricate groove-based bass line. It's usually kind of something that's Latin sometimes or just Afro-Cuban rhythm or something eclectic. And then we build on that and we decide what route the piece will take. Usually chord changes come after a groove or a, after a bass line and then... The melody is usually last, to be honest, because mm-hmm. melodies are so easy to come up with. They just, you know, they fit the constraints of your chord cycle and, and whatever you've done in the bass. But we kind of compose backwards. Yeah. I compose backwards. That makes sense. I guess for <laughs> a dancer, I'm kind of thinking you'll do formations maybe last, whereas other people would think that maybe that comes first, uh, just kind of where people will stand and where people will go. But that's not what happens. So we're all moved that. by different aspects of the music, you know, melody, rhythm, and harmony, the three basic elements. I just, I mean, rhythm is really fun. And that's the coolest thing about jazz and world music is the different rhythms that different countries and cultures have. So I just, I'll hear something and relate to it. And then a bass line will kind of fit that groove and then chords come in the melody. And then we open up big sections for improvisation. So we, we make the improvisation section smaller when we're trying to sound more mainstream. <laughs> but if we're in a jazz setting, we can take a song and make it last like 10 or 15 minutes long because there's a lot to say. I think the members of this band have a lot to say. So they can communicate for a while. Yeah, that's we amazing. Let go. Mm-hmm. So out of pop, jazz, <clears throat> and a little bit of rock, which you do all three, sure. which one is your favorite? I, I like classical music, to be honest. You do? Uh, I mean, I'm, I have a degree in classical piano, and mm-hmm. I... I it just uh, different things will move me, but Bach always moves me. Oh yeah, and you know just the intricate counterpoint and countermelodic material in Bach, and so I like. I always we always go back to that, considering several of the members are symphony musicians and mm-hmm. we're all classically trained and have degrees in classical music, but um, we hide it, we sneak in, we candy coat <laughs> people's vegetables. They don't realize what they're getting sometimes. We will educate we you. We will in educate classical. you. You will hear motive and sequences from Bach inside of jazz, or you, you never know what you're going to hear with us. But you know, people pigeonhole us into different things, but there really isn't a genre that we are. We're still deciding that. That's there, good. We'll probably never be one genre. It's not a jazz record that we cut. It's not a world music record. It's not classical. It's a lot of things together. It's a fusion record. Right. You've had some pretty neat gigs, including large-scale private corporate events, fundraisers, arts, culture gatherings, Jazz Fest, River Fest, Taste of the Arts, and performances for local programs on NPR and Access TV. What opportunity has stood out to you the most and has made the largest impact on your career? Graduating school was a big one last year. But that, that was just really fun to finally finish. But um, 
there's a couple. You know, we did a conference a few years ago or early on in our band that was a, it was like a worship conference. The introduction, they commissioned a piece for the beginning of this conference, and it was basically trying to bring attention to human trafficking and the perils of human trafficking. And so we got involved with an organization from that conference. So that was probably a big monumental moment for us as a quartet. I would say this worship citywide worship conference we did. And it also was what we were commissioned to write Luke's theme for, which is one of our most famous pieces. Mm-hmm. That was a big moment for us. And we donate uh, 20% of our proceeds of our record to Destiny Rescue, oh, wow. which is a anti-human trafficking organization. Mm-hmm. You can check out destinyrescue.org. So that was a big one for the quartet. I would say for the harmonic, though, the APQ harmonic, probably down the line last year at the embassy. You know, the ensemble kind of was born for Down the Line. We took APQ and extended it with all of our friends, made it more rock. And um, actually, we debuted the ensemble for Parkview Health because they couldn't get the Philharmonics. So (laughs) we ended up, our first performance was for Parkview Health at Christmas. But then Down the Line in February of 2015 was kind of our our birth for the orchestra. So a couple moments there. Yeah. And just recently, you guys performed as the harmonic at the Fillmore on Broadway for String, Swing, and Sing. That was fun. Oh, it was so great. Um, I had seen the quartet play, but I hadn't had the opportunity yet to see the harmonic, and I was blown away. It's a crazy ensemble. It's a really fat sound just to get that many orchestral instruments on stage. And Derek Reeves, our arranger, really, uh, and our lead violinist, has done a great job with the arrangements. We do a lot of Trans-Siberian Orchestra material as well as original material and some fun covers in our own style. But it's a really fat sound when you get that many orchestra musicians playing rock. Yeah. I have a question about Derek. He was playing the violin for the APQ harmonic, but doesn't he usually play the viola? Is it because it was electric? He plays violin for both ensembles. Oh, he, he plays does. an electric okay. violin, yeah. Gotcha. He's multi-skilled. Yeah, it was cool. It was just great. You're an extremely busy lady. Besides performing and rehearsing for those performances, you teach both at home and at the Sweetwater Sound Academy. And every time I see you, you're running around and always on the go. How do you manage everything that you do? That's a good question. (laughs) Different people would have different opinions on that. Yeah, coffee's a great one. Um, I try and live a healthy lifestyle, though. I do believe in being active, even if it's just a lot of walking and carrying things, if it's not designated gym time. Yeah. Try and eat healthy. I try and get enough sleep. Yeah. I I believe in balance, though, too, not just, you know, work, 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 fun, 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 too. So I, I, if I'm not spending enough time with family, I'm pretty cranky. And, you know, (laughs) I'll be honest with you, and I, I, I'm a faith-based person, so if, if I start getting real cranky, I just need to remember what's supposed to be center for me, too. Right. That is what helps me out, I'll be honest with you, especially when things are really not going very well. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's frustrating moments in the arts where you're working really hard and not getting anywhere or mm-hmm. working with people and trying to help people and bring them together, and it's not working. Right. So you have to have those, those surrender moments and yeah. remember what's supposed to be priority in your life. Mm-hmm. That helps me, trying to, to live know. balanced and healthy. It's good tips, good information, and yeah, you are just truly amazing how you've organized these two groups, and then you have so many solo things going, and from an outsider, I think you're doing an incredible job and doing wonders for our arts community. Thanks. I hope it's more organized someday, because right now it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's hard to hang on to. Yeah, (laughs) I bet. So as someone who is fully invested in the arts community, What are your opinions on the direction Fort Wayne is going, and what can we do now to support the arts even more? I think Fort Wayne has done an amazing job. I think the people on the the 
committees and boards in the forefront of the downtown development really have a handle on how to bring arts and community together with um, the development of downtown, which is awesome. I think like there's one or two things that people need to keep in mind because they will hear a lot about great arts events and they're like, oh great, how did that go? But you know, come out, come out and support the events. So I, they're pretty well supported, all of our shows. We don't have that issue, but I know that you know if someone's gonna take the time to put on a show and they invite you, come. If someone's playing in a bar, it's a reason to go to that bar besides just to go sit there and drink. You know, you're watching amazing musicians while you're enjoying dinner and friends, you know, or it's a reason to go to the park for all these festivals people are planning. So don't just say, oh, hey, yeah, hurrah, Fort Wayne, you know, get out and enjoy it and support the music. But I'd say from a business standpoint, though, I mean, business owners and festival planners need to stop expecting people to play for free, though, because, mm-hmm. you know, some of us have spent our entire lives learning music, and it's, it's a service and an art form that we're providing. A lot of us have degrees in it. And so I, I feel really bad that uh, people don't understand that we're, we're not going to do it for free. <laughs> you know, we, we choose a few gratis events every year um, that are community events to, to also give back to our community. Mm-hmm. You know, two or three I try and keep it too because these are um, the men that I work with in the wound, but especially the men are providing for their families. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is their livelihood. It's our day job. It's our night job. It's something some of us do like 80 hours a week. Yeah. So, you know, if we have a couple causes that are near and dear to our heart that we want to donate to, cool. But please don't expect musicians in town to play for free. Yeah, very and, true. Or for like 50 bucks. I mean, it's peanuts. <laughs> it's not, it's really not acceptable. Yeah. And the community needs to understand that. Especially the rehearsal time. I mean, what you do, it's... <laughs> There's a lot of unpaid hours. Yeah, you don't besides just come. Besides performance, unpaid exactly. hours. Yeah, so. You got to set up. You got to rehearse. Yeah. You got to figure out what you're doing. And then... Like you said, um, you do have to get people butts in seats. Sure. So then there's the marketing aspect. It's, it's there's a lot. Several. There's several. There's seven to ten aspects. People think that you're getting on stage and, oh, you have this cool little fluffy job, you know, but it's not like we're not – and there's nothing wrong with, you know, beauty queens, but we're not beauty queens. And they do a lot, too, to keep themselves in shape yeah. and, and be beautiful and, you know, support their, their causes and communities. But at the same time, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into it that's not very much fun. <laughs> you know, 80% of what we do isn't on stage and right. isn't in the practice room. You know, it's it's facilitating and organizing and creating and, and you know, marketing. So I, I think people need to understand that and definitely not be asking people to play for less than $100 a head. Right. I mean, ever. Really, that should never be happening. And so businesses shouldn't expect that. Musicians shouldn't lower that standard in town. They shouldn't do that for themselves. Yeah. And it's something that the community needs to be aware of because, you know, that's what happened to the acting world here in Fort Wayne. Mm. And now a lot of the actors do not get paid. Yep. And they should. Yeah. Everybody should be. It's an art form. Exactly. So then what would you tell one of your students who wishes to pursue a career in music? Oh, I tell them a lot of stuff. I do every day. (laughs) They probably wish I would stop telling them things sometimes. Um, I would say, you know, if they were getting ready to go to music school, I would tell a kid, you know, don't just bury yourself in music school. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not integrating yourself into the music world outside of music school into real life music, you're not going to understand really how to function in the, in the society and business that music is. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing they don't teach you in music school, you learn amazing things in music school, but they don't teach you that it's a business, that you, that you, you brand yourself, you market yourself, you believe in yourself, and then that's what you're, you're presenting to people. You are selling yourself. Yeah. I mean, so as a musician, as a composer, um, you have to be able to sell yourself with any job, really. But right. I think musicians expect to be able to just show up and, you know, walk on stage and get paid but that's really not the reality for a lot of people Mm -hmm. that's one thing I'd tell them um the other thing I would tell students that are getting ready to pursue a career 
or anyone that's trying to, you know, don't be unwilling to, to try a lot of things and get good at multiple things. Cause like I said, you're not going to do one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was a classical musician, but I mean, that's a very small amount of what I do overall. It affects everything, but you need to learn how to get good at a lot of things at management, at the business and marketing at it, you know, trying new genres out or working in different collaborations. Um, so don't be closed minded to trying new things. I'd also tell them to always be willing to help and support other musicians. Mm-hmm. Go to their, go to your friend's shows, you know, show up and be supportive. But uh, realize that most of what you're doing is going to be problem solving. <laughs> so don't be afraid to, you know, tackle the stuff that you really don't want to deal with in music school because that's pretty much going to be 80% of your life when you get out of music school. Yeah. The practice room and the stage are a very small amount of what you get to do yeah. to be a professional musician and be successful with what you want to do. To share your art, it takes a lot behind the scenes to get it there I bet a lot of courage too so you gotta push past those you know those barriers and the speed bumps because you know problem solving and communicating it's, it's just a lot of what you have to do to share your art form mm-hmm. what is the worst disaster or problem solving that you needed to do on a gig does anything stand out to you oh some of them are too embarrassing to even tell <laughs> so we're not gonna go there today you know everybody has them um, I, I remember a, a oh, you know what? Hey, I won't be I won't be embarrassed. I remember a friend of mine cleaning me up in the bathroom at the Phoenix once. Oh, <laughs> That's no. all I'm gonna say. And it, I was not drunk, you know. But things yeah. happen in life, and you have to be. Um, the show must go must on. go on, and sometimes yeah. you're really thankful you're wearing black. Let me just say oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you just don't know what's gonna happen, and or you know, when you're managing bands and ensembles, you don't know what shape people are gonna turn up in sometimes. Oh, yeah. Or when, you know, when oh, people come late or, you know, the Fillmore show, we had somebody not show up in one of the three bands. Really? I mean, so things happen and, yeah. you know, like they say in theater, the show must go on. Right. You just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep your game face on and smile nice and pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite, I had a, a hole in a costume and I had to like lift my leg and it was, of course, the crotch. Oh, no. So then I'm just standing there doing my thing, knowing that everyone is looking at this hole, you know. <laughs> And, yeah, just smile pretty. Hopefully they'll look at my face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And, you know, there's people to pick you up. Hopefully you have a good tribe when you're an artist and you Mm -hmm. have good support and you got a couple people there that can pick you up when you fall down in those moments or come to the bathroom and clean you up or whatever you need. So luckily that friend of mine was a nurse. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you have a great tribe. I mean, a crazy large, insane tribe. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. I wish yeah. they all got along at, at times, but the good the... thing these spaces are large sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man, who's been your musical inspiration? Probably in music school, I would say. You know, I love the music of Rachmaninoff. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, Russian composer, and uh, just a challenge. Chopin was something I always enjoyed playing. And list. If I was on a desert island, I'd choose Rachmaninoff, Chopin, and list scores and a piano. If I had to choose one in jazz world, I, I love the music of Diana Krall and Hella Fitzgerald. The jazz pianist Taylor Eggsteen is a big a big uh, inspiration. In the rock world, we just love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh yeah, the glitz and glam and glory, and how they integrate classical with what they're doing in the major rock scene. Right. But um, probably personally, I'd have to say the last year and a half, my friend Trinell Armour, who is a vocalist in town that is probably one of the best jazz vocalists I've ever got to work with. Mm-hmm. I think she was kind of a hidden gem in the gospel community and was, a, was raising kids, still is, one, three wonderful kids that I just love. I, I asked to be their surrogate aunt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> they, she's a really creative person. 
now that helps me stir my pot because sometimes the business side of things um, cuts back on the creativity for me. Uh-huh. And so she'll bring me ideas that we'll either try in the band setting or just talk over and, you know, really creative sounds are coming out of our collaborations this last year. I cannot wait to see where she goes because uh-huh. we'll probably do an album with her soon and uh, we invite her out to every gig. And she's just a dear person and a wonderful, wonderful vocalist. She was at the Fillmore. She was. She sang a solo with us. The mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette? Yeah. I knew she's it. She's just crazy. She's so cool. Like, yeah. her voice does so many different things well. So uh, I'm ex- I am keep pushing her out there, trying not to push her too hard. But yeah. one of my things as an artist, like I tell my students, is to support other artists. And, uh, you know, I, I want her to try things. And mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of try things with her. And, and uh, as much time as she has, because she's got a full-time job and three kids. Um, right. You know, to try new things creatively because she's making some waves that are going to, I think, be felt by the community in the next couple of years as they recognize her because she's new. Yeah. So they're still getting to know her, but she's super cool. New to Fort Wayne. She's just new to like the music scene. Okay. We're, we're kind of throwing her out there this yeah. year. So she's been, she comes to almost every gig. We, oh, wow. we invite her out and make her do a few things at least. She did a great job the other night. That's one of my favorite songs, um, so I was probably going to like it no matter what. But she sings she a was, lot of genres well. Yeah, she yeah. was amazing. She's cool. Yeah, very Don't cool. Keep, keep her on board. <laughs> we will. Do you personally have any big milestones you wish to accomplish in the next five years? Or maybe they are for the one of the two bands or both of them? You know, the APQ, we couldn't be more thankful for the community support, meaning the Alicia Powell Quartet, the one we've been together six years now. The community is really responsive to us. We're, we're a good fit for a lot of fundraising and corporate events. Um, so I'm really thankful for where that's at. The APQ harmonic, the 12 piece, is a difficult monster sometimes to handle and can be a little unruly. So I'm trying to find a way to push that out there, in, you know, in an organic fashion, in a way that will be um, supported the way the APQ has been. So hopefully in the next year or two, I hope that the community supports that ensemble enough that it can become a steady as the APQ is. It's just more difficult because there's 12, but it's a phenomenal group of musicians. So that's a goal, to um, to stick with the, the really bad grunt work right now long enough for people to, to grasp what the ensemble is and start making it a little bit easier for us like they have the APQ because it's an amazing ensemble that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy the more they hear, and it'll grow too just like the APQ has. Um, a business goal I have, I did start an arts and entertainment contracting business. Nice. Um it's something I've kind of done all along, but I decided to kind of organize and brand it this year. And so I'll be kind of releasing that more into the public this year and making sure everything is tidy legally. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that I'd like to see grow because we're already functioning there in that, in that capacity. And it employs my friends that have degrees, you know, that don't need to work at Bath and Body Works. I mean, I want them to work in music. And so it's generating business and it's generating income for them. Um, a little bit for me. It's not really that lucrative yet, but it, but I know yeah. it'll grow to be just like other things have in time. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that grow. Good for you. I'm not sure that there's any others. Um, just to get more organized. <laughs> <laughs> Break into the wedding business probably a little with all the ensembles and the contracting. There you go. Because we're doing a lot of weddings, but I think that's a good fit for, for what, what we spend a lot of our time on. It's an easy mold to transition over into weddings right. with. Definitely. Yeah. As we get into March and April, where and how can our listeners catch your performances? I'll be playing solo at Sycamore Hills on the 11th of March. I think it's like an early evening gig, so mm-hmm. if they, people have a membership there, they can catch me. Cool. Um, there's a very, very big public concert at the library, the Downtown Library Performance Theater in the basement on March 13th, and that's the APQ Harmonic. 
So great. we're excited to play again um, in March there. So that's a great one people people should put on the calendar. And then AP2, we call it, Derek AP2. and I, <laughs> the duo is going to be playing at ArtLink for their fundraiser on April 14th, oh, which awesome. I'm sure there's tickets available for as well. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be checking out your Facebook and uh, her Twitter account as well for more information on those public events. Cool. And I know you do a lot of private events, so don't do forget about a lot of booking her for your private events uh, with the Alicia Powell Quartet AP Two <laughs> Solo <laughs> or APQ Harmonic. It's a lot there. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a mouthful. It's great. One last question for you. For the listeners out there who have not had the pleasure of meeting you, what is the one thing you'd like them to know about you? There's a lot about me. I'm a a crazy person. There's a lot to me. But I would say, um, you know, music makes life better. So for me, music has made my life better. I would say get off Facebook. Do something with your life. (laughs) Be a healthy person. Help people. Don't forget how short life is. And, you know, music, as long as it's playing for you, get out there and dance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, isn't it fun? Mm-hmm. Well, great. Great things happen when you work as hard as Alicia does. Johann Sebastian Bach said, I worked hard. Anyone who works as hard as I did can achieve the same results. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. That's a wrap.